Mike Galloway is a construction manager and consultant, commercial and residential builder, and a certified inspector for all commercial and residential buildings. And now, here is About the House with Troy Galloway. Hello, folks. Welcome to a brand new company or advocacy that we're putting together. This is actually, we're working with About the House and Galloway Building Services to develop this. And uh, what this is, is a Construction Consumer Advocacy Institute. And uh, we're really excited about this. And we're going to actually, we're going to have some different specials and stuff to help show you. But just kind of just jump here a little bit. And this kind of tells a little bit about our mission statement, our website, so you can learn and learn more about who we are. We're not going to spend a lot on that today uh, as we go along because we're going to be doing this for, well, from now on. And uh, every, one, every month we're going to be putting out, well, actually, we're going to put out one big long show and then try to break them down into smaller segments, too. So you can get so now you don't always have time to listen to a whole show, but you can always have time to listen to a little. And what's really great about this is we are actually I got to just say it for the first time in my life, all the years I tell everybody this, all the years that I've ever been in construction, uh, which is my whole entire adulthood. I have always, you know, tried to help people, but I also needed to be helped too. Uh, and by getting the work and getting the jobs, well, for the first time ever, I'm able to put everything together and I'm actually being able to give back. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough that, uh, you know, that I can do this I'm and I got the experience to do this. And because we do construction expert witnessing, Galloway Building Services does, I have discovered a great need for this kind of information. We got, it's like consumer reports, except it's for construction only. And, you know, and we have construction advocacies, but they're for the contractors. We have nothing for, uh, that I found, that's actually for the people, the consumers. So that's what this is all about. And that's what this show is gonna be designed for. And today we are going to start with a wonderful show, but let me, uh, let me share with this a little bit here, one more and, so right here, if we're going to, in order to today, we've launched this whole show and everything. Today is my birthday. So today we are going to give you folks a special uh, that we're not going to probably offer ever, ever, ever again. So if you want to take advantage of it, just you know, follow this, hit like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you request after you hit like and subscribe that you would like to, in the comment section, that you would like to get a uh, the top 10 uh, questions to ask your contractor before hiring, we send it to you absolutely free. Or, which is even, this is even what we're adding to it for the birthday special. I uh, just finished a wonderful book on uh, the Essential Contractor Hiring Guide. And we're also offering a discount to that. So if you or you request that and tell us that you saw this on here, which you naturally would because it'd be on YouTube, and uh, you would just hit the reply, hit like and subscribe, and follow and uh, request that. We will get you that also, tell you more about it. And uh, so you can, but you can get it, you're going to get it cheaper through us than you will through Amazon or through Barnes and Noble, which we're going to be everywhere there too. But anyway, enough with that. Let's get on with the show because this is a great show. And this is an important, important show uh, that I think that is time sensitive because we are going into that time of the year that we will be doing um, we, our smoke alarms, fire alarms, these kind of things, safety for the wintertime. So let's get at it. All right. So home alarms, 
This is what we're working on here is the home alarms, uh, 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 different types of alarm systems throughout the house. And like I said, we're going to be breaking it down into different segments also besides the entire show. And uh, But this is where we're at. And let me start off with fire alarms. So as you see, fire alarms are, we got smoke alarms, fire alarms, different types like that. So we're going to be talking about this because there, you, a few years ago, if you go back and listen to one of our About the House shows, we did a small segment on this on alarm systems, which but now this is going to be a little bit more detailed than what we had then. And well, you know, technology and well, actual technology is always there. I just finally learned how to catch up to kind of learn how to do a little bit of this. And uh, but anyway, so we're going to jump right into fire alarms. We don't want this. How many times do we see a house like this burning in the wintertime? You know, uh, you know, it, and all because of something simple is this. So we want to understand the different types of fire alarms and smoke alarms that are out there. So we're going to, with winter season happening and we got all these different threats and such, we want to make sure that we understand. Now, we all know that the best way of starting this is we change our batteries out of our, and, our, and, and that's always a great way and test it, you know, and then you get that. But so you don't need this radio show for that. So you, but you want to know about what type of alarms that you have. But there are several different alarms out there that are detecting for fire, for smoke, and uh, we want to talk about that. Also want to talk about some of the alarms that are, no, are actually being called back and uh, with the radioactive material. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Radioactive material and our fire alarms? Who would have ever guessed? So we want to jump right in here. We'll start, we'll start talking about itemization. itemization. Uh, smoke alarm, the pros and the cons. And uh, with that, we, you know, because this is one of, this is a great system, but there are some things happening in this industry that I think we need to be paying attention. Now, this here with the uh, atomization, atomization, easy for me to say, smoke alarm, they are the ones that have a radioactive material, American-241. Uh, and what that does is when the smoke enters the chamber of our smoke alarm, it disrupts the electrical current and triggers uh, the alarm uh, that you're actually starting to have a fire, which is which is great uh, because like for garages or something like this, uh, but it's, that's for fire. And it's usually caused by cooking oil or, you know, people are cooking and they have a fast fire in the kitchen or something or paper products catching a fire. Uh, but the benefits of this is, is that and is, these alarms, well, they, they the smoke alarms, they, they cost very little. And that is why you, okay, guys, you're going to get in big trouble if you say something. But, you know, in the kitchens, when the, when somebody's cooking and a fire alarm goes off and it's a big joke, you know, uh, that uh, somebody's cooking again. I used to tease my wife all the time about that. Reason I say be careful about doing that, because now that she got me doing the cooking, <laughs> she gives me the same stuff. But... That's what happens. They're very sensitive to fast flaming fires. Uh, so you want to make sure you want to get taken. You, you got the right detector in the right spot. How will you know if you have one of these type of alarms and, uh, and some of the drawbacks? So you got these are some of the emblems that you're going to see right here on these different types of alarm systems. Uh, so you can kind of know, do you have uh, radiation and uh, radioactive material in it or not? Now, as you can see, some of these are going to be, they're being recalled back but uh, because they are a problem. So they pick up, uh, this makes them less effective in detective fires because 
you know, for cigarettes or for electrical wiring. Uh, most of your itemization smoke alarms have a higher likelihood of false alarms. Now, that's a false alarm if it goes off into the kitchen. And that's why you don't want it. But it's caused from steam, from cooking or dust or even insects. Insects. Now, I never knew that until I did the research that insects getting inside the chamber could also give it false alarms. No, that is a problem. Now, here, look here. This is what you're looking for. See this emblem right here? This emblem right here is the emblem that we have that tells us exactly what kind of radioactive material it is. So look on your alarms and see. And uh, here's some ideas, ID numbers and things that you could be looking at to help kind of figure out which ones uh, is what you have. But now this is the one that I did not know about. And uh, these, these smoke alarms, they're actually being recalled. So it is very important that you take a look, and this is kind of what you, how to look for it. And you can pull it all up and learn more about that yourself. But I think that that's very important that we know. Now, radiation, I want to talk about the radiation a little bit about that radon, material inside of that. Because, you know, we live in a world there's a lot of radiation. And we're going to talk about that on other alarms in it too, further along. But, uh, you know, radiation is not always a bad thing, but if it does break or if there's any of this kind of material get down, it is hazardous waste and you don't want your children and you don't want your dogs or your cats or anybody, you know, getting into it. So that's really more of why I'm interested in putting forth and, and wanting you to think about the radiation, uh, radioactive material inside of it. Uh, so with that, we move on to the next one. So that's your ionization system. Oh, Mick, we're going to move on here too. Uh, oh, yeah, and I got a note right here that they're being phased out, which I already talked about there. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's so many problems with them, with uh, moving them and transporting them and yada, yada. So, but how do you do it? Well, if you have that, you've got the radiation emblem and that always on it. Make sure you pull it up because they are the cheaper ones. You know, heck, I didn't know that. I put these things up countless times. I never knew the difference. Let's talk about the photoelectric smoke alarm system. And they're, smoke, they're a lot, I think they're a lot better at detecting slow burning fires that may smolder for hours before they actually have the fires before it pops up and it bursts into flames. And these alarms, actually they use light uh, to detect the smoke. Unlike the ionization detectors, they're less prone to, these are less prone for fire, false alarms. And uh, they work that way because of lights aimed at the sensor. If smoke enters the detector, then it scatters the light, and the sensor activates the trigger alarm. Yeah, and that, that's, that's kind of important uh, to have, especially in areas, um, you know, like, uh, like, well, like in a garage where you might have, a, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe you might have some oily rags or something there that may be caught, you know, it's laying there smoldering or something or uh, maybe electrical aluminum wiring, you know, where maybe it's getting hot and uh, starts smoking before it starts to burn. So yes, absolutely, you wanna make sure. Oh, hey, let's just, let's go into understanding the pros and the cons of these photoelectric uh, smoke alarms. So one of the smokers, I love it because they are very much a safety feature for the house and early systems for fire, allowing people to evacuate before it's too late. You know, I had one years ago and uh, this actually, it did, it was, believe it or not, it even picked up the light and the fire. I had a kerosene heater, one of them stand-free kerosene heaters that you can buy at Home Depot or something. 
And I thought that it turned off when I hit the button to turn it off, but it didn't. The wick just went down and it just smoldered. And what happened was is that the alarm went off even in the dark because it was nighttime, but somehow I had enough light in there that it was able to detect it. And when I walked in to get to see what was why the alarm was going off, all of a sudden, poof, it just exploded. Uh, well, okay, exploded, that's not the right word. It just combusted right there and the flames just popped up about three, four feet in the air. And, uh, but it was just quick enough and had not got hot enough yet because I was, luckily I was standing there that I was able to get it out of the house and throw it away. That son of a gun never came back into the house again. But, you know, candles are another way. People sometimes think their candles get put out and they don't at night. You know, I bought a house a few years ago that somebody had a candle that had smoldered and then somehow went down and got into some papers or something. And anyway, I got heck, I got a good deal in the house, but it had to be totally rebuilt. So that's not that's 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 a bad problem. And you want to make sure, especially if you got children or pets or something. But some of the you know some of the benefits of the photoelectric cells is is it is a, a very quick to detect. Uh, there are all kinds of, you know before it actually gets bad has less of our fake or false alarms, which is important. Because if you have this hooked into, well, which you get into other systems, but if you get it hooked into a, uh, you know, like a surveillance system or an ADT or something like that, one of these kind of uh, burglar alarm kind of companies that give you all kinds of alarms, uh, there's so many of these things. Actually, I'm speaking out of hand here because you should go back and listen to one of our radio shows. And we talk about that different alarm systems there uh, for, and so they they actually work with that. So they kind of an outside source, um, but that's another that's a great thing. Also, they're better for large spaces photoelectric smoke alarms, and because they are this how they're designed instead of small little areas. So if you got like a great room down in the basement or something like that, uh, whereas it's uh, you know they get picked that up, and they have a longer lifespan. I really didn't realize on smoke alarms that we had uh, differences of uh, life expectancies. I know everything has a time and it's, it's life, but I didn't know that some of them was only for a year or two. Uh, that is why sometimes when you get these alarms, you just don't ever quit beeping. You ever have one like that where it just beeps and beeps and beeps? You change out the battery and it still keeps doing it? Well, then you just know you got a bad one. And it's, you probably got one of the cheaper ones. So that's, that's kind of, that's a bad problem here with that. So you want to make sure that uh, you get that taken care of also. Uh, well, what are some of the drawbacks? We've heard some of the good stuff of it. Well, some of the drawbacks of that is that they're slow, you know, that they are slow response to flaming fires because they're more for smoke. Higher cost, that's a, that's a problem if you're on limited income. But what, you know, but so... That's a question. Higher cost, is that really a problem? I don't know. I think that if your life is dependent upon it, maybe a few extra dollars is really worth your while, don't you think? I mean, I think so. I know for my tenants and my land and the property, rental property I own, I make sure I put the better systems in there. Is it because I care about my people? Absolutely. But I also care about my investment. So if you're a landlord or you're doing investing on properties or something, you might think about that. Also, it's a really great to put that into your sales brochure when you're doing selling a house that you've got these more upgraded systems in it. Maintenance, like any other kind of smoke alarm, uh, photoelectric, 
uh, alarms require regular maintenance and make sure that they're you know functioning properly. And that's just to include like changing the batteries to conducting monthly tests. Uh, and I know that could be time consuming, but it's really worth it. So actually, with the photoelectric uh, smoke alarms, they have the pros and cons. But overall, they're really great, and they could definitely save lives. And by you understanding the benefits and limitations, that it's going to make you make the best help you make the best informed decision on which one that you want because they all have their place. Oh, make sure that you get the right one for the right application and maybe you won't get stuck doing dishes or laundry or cooking or whatever else you made fun of the wife about and now it's your turn. <laughs> all right. Oh. Oh, see, it's just real simple to check these things. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of pictures here about, you know, uh, uh, I know I'm probably going to get in trouble, for, because, but I mean, anybody can put, you know, get the right ones put in here and check in and make sure it's being done correctly. You know, something I do want to talk about before we leave this section of it, and that is making sure that, you know, this is something a little bit out of just smoke alarm, but just fire safety, home safety, and make sure you do have an evacuation plan set up. Talk to the family, go through the system, you know, and, and make sure you got some ideas of what you want and how you want it done, uh, how you want to get out of the house, where you're going to meet when you get out of the house. You know, you can get all this stuff from the fire districts or anything. And actually, they probably got a lot more on how to take care of it than what we're going to hit onto the show. But it's really worth your time to make sure. So we have dual purposes, fire, smoke, fire and smoke detectors. And I want to talk a little bit about that also. Uh, you know, some of the benefits and the drawbacks of the dual purpose. So with the dual purposes, actually what they are is they're smoke and fire. And they kind of work in two different, both at the same time. And you'll see a lot of these that are put into the house. When we build a new home or we do an addition or we do anything like this, we're always... The new co the codes have been for well for maybe twenty some years now thirty years uh, that we're supposed to have and not only battery backup or that are hardwired or they're electrical wired and the reason that they have both into electrical wiring and the battery backup is because in case of power goes out and we don't have any electricity in the house well now that's even more of a problem because now we're probably burning candles or alternative systems of heating and lighting. And that could cause even more troubles. So you want that's why they are the battery backup. And you don't have that on your 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 standalone, your your just uh, that you go buy in a package with the battery only. So that's really good to know. Uh, then have that wherever you can. So think about that. Um, and the dual sensitive, they use both ionization and photoelectric sensors at the same time. Now, what I discovered was that these dual-purpose systems, yes, they have itemization. Remember, we talked about that earlier. Uh, but, you know, you want to make sure that we put these time in areas where traditional smoke detectors would be used, like in the hallways, living rooms, bedrooms. You can put them in the kitchens. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, they work continuously. But itemization, itemization smoke alarms. Remember, we talked about that earlier, that they had small bell radiation. These do not. At least the ones that I know of do not have that radioactive material. But once again, open it up, 
take a look at it, make sure if you have that emblem or not in there, and then you'll know whether it's supposed to be, you know, what, if it has that in it, because it's the law. If there's radioactive material in it, you're supposed to know. And uh, so, and then we talk about our evacuation, and that's, like I said, you want to make sure it's all taken care of. And uh, some of the drawbacks with this is that, you know, you want to make sure there is some drawbacks. There are drawbacks to everything. Uh, but these detectors are more expensive even than the traditional smoke alarms. And because they are wired into your home, they may need to have professional installation. Now, actually, it's just a few wires. I think it's simple, but if you're scared of electricity, you really want to get an electrician to take care of it. And uh, then overall, the dual-purpose smoke alarms can provide an enhanced protection. But it really it gives a lot of peace of mind knowing that you're covered and your family's covered in so many different ways, uh, not just with smoke, but with also with the fire. So that's very important to take care of. Make sure that that's done. And I'm going to give you, a, here's a list of different ones here. The National Fire Association, you want to make, that's a great place to get information. Uh, Consumer Reports have a lot of information on different uh, smoke alarms and things, uh, the brands and things. And, and this is what the advocacy is going to be doing. We're going to actually be doing more and more testing of different products. At this point, we're just brand new. So, I mean, the advocacy is just up and running. We haven't gotten into a lot of that yet, but we will be soon. And, uh, and it's, got, it's nothing but great information for you. But the evacuations, you do. Man, I cannot tell you how much, how important that is to make sure that gets done, that you do know. Uh, you just, we talk about that with uh, windows. We talk about the egress windows and stuff, getting people out of the house and how, you know, we, and that's in other radio shows. But I can't emphasize enough. Have a meet-up place so everybody knows where they're going to be meeting at the end at, if there is such a thing happening in their house. Now, here's one that I think a lot of folks really are not familiar with, and uh, just just heat detector, just heat. Now, heat detectors actually, so they're kind of put into places like for oh, you put them in your garage or you put them up in your attic, uh, maybe even in the kitchen, so something like that. But they actually, they don't turn on unless the heat gets up about 135 degrees or so. And uh, then that's, uh, then they activate. So sometimes, you know, say, say if you have, you just, it, sometimes fires, they just explode, you know, and they just poof, you know, uh, like a, a chimney fire or something like that. See, the chimney fire, it's, it's going up the chimney, so your smoke's going up there, and the fire is it contained inside your box, but if it actually has that fire that's happening inside of the chimney chase, by the time it pops, your house is in it's getting hot really, really fast, and that's why the 135 degrees. 135 degrees, well, if you live in Phoenix or one of these places, you're probably giggling at me right now, thinking, well, heck, I have a heat alarm would go off all the time in my house. Well, actually, you know, it's you're probably right, <laughs> but just check about that. Make sure that that system is something that's compliant for your environment. But for the most of us out here, they work fabulous. And, uh, you know, they, they, where they sometimes have, a, uh, sometimes they have a little false alarms, but if you have a false alarm with one of these, you might want to replace your alarm system. So uh, that's very important. Well, that pretty much talks about our fire and smoke alarms. Carbon monoxide detector. These are something that is absolutely is code for when you have in your home. And it's a code throughout the United States of America. But 
carbon monoxide. Let's talk about what it is, and then you're going to understand when it's applicable and not. But what is carbon monoxide? You know, it's a gas that's produced when fuels burn incompletely. You don't get a good burn. And it's colorless. It is odorless. It is tasteless. And it is absolutely almost impossible to detect when it's happening until it gets too late and accumulates in enclosed areas and it leads to poisoning. And it one of the first things you're gonna notice is you're getting headaches and dizziness and nauseous and even death. It, could, it can definitely kill you. So these are things that we definitely wanna make sure you know, you know more about that. So I'm gonna just take a little bit of time on this on carbon monoxide detectors. Now, let's go back here real quick before I move on with this. So carbon monoxide detectors. So it is because it's unburnt fuels, right? Well, then that means that if you have all electric home, you might have a fire, but you're not gonna get carbon monoxide. So because you are not burning any fuel. Uh, I have, literally seen home inspectors. And some of the people probably gonna to listen to this and real estate agents and others are gonna probably start laughing because they probably know about it. And some of my past customers over the years know about it. They literally, because it is a code and home inspectors as a whole, they only know what they're taught. They really have no construction experience or very little. So if it's a code issue, they'll automatically call it. Even if it's all electric home, well, next thing you know, the buyer's having a tantrum thinking, oh man, you're trying to kill me. You don't have this, you don't have the right alarms. You do not need a carbon monoxide detector if the home is all electric because there's no unburnt fuels. There's actually no fuels. We'll talk about that in other shows. And actually some of our other past shows, we've already talked about that. But how do carbon monoxide detectors even work? Well, they use electrical chemical sensoring technology or sometimes they use a metal oxide semiconductor sim, uh, sensors. Uh, but that's kind of how they work and uh, we could actually drill deeper into it and we will drill deeper into it on other shows. But for this show, we're just gonna go here and move on. But what it is is that it detects the concentration of carbon monoxide, literally picks up this odorless gas in the air and it triggers a loud alarm when it reaches dangerous levels. And the alarm is designed to let you know to first get out of the house, get to leave the doors open when you walk out of the house, start airing it out. I have been into homes when I've, uh, where we've had this problem. And uh, I've actually, what I always do is I call the fire department. Now, whether you've got a fire department close or not, I don't know. Uh, but if you do call the fire department, they'll take care of it so you don't have any kind of safety issues. They have all the right proper gear and everything for handling that. Uh, where should you put your carbon monoxide detectors? Where should they be installed? Now, this is a big one. Now, take a moment here and listen because we sell all kinds of different, we're gonna talk about the different carbon monoxide systems, uh, detectors out there. And you could place them anywhere. And there's not, and I have not seen a code. Uh, maybe there are out there, but I have not witnessed a code yet that tells you where the proper placement is. So this is a great public service here. Carbon monoxide should be installed in every room that has, I'm just gonna read this here, every room that has an appliance that produces carbon monoxide. Remember, we talked about anything that burns. And it includes their boilers, ovens, furnaces, fireplaces, wood burning furnaces, you know, all, anything like that. And you should have one by every bedroom. 
as, as much as you can. Now, we do have the combinations. We'll talk about that, too, a little bit, that you have it all of it. Uh, and it uh, should be, make sure you put your detectors at least 15 feet from every gas appliances, such as gas stoves. Also, well, we'll talk about that a little bit further here. But how often should your carbon monoxide, be carbon monoxide detectors be tested? Well, uh, they recommend they should be tested weekly to make, especially during uh, the summertime or wintertime, I'm sorry, when we're going to be burning more of this. But I recommend you do it all year if you've got a gas stove or a hot water heater. You know, you want to make sure that you'd ever. So I know it's time consuming, but not, but folks, if you don't and you are permanently damaged or you die, you're kind of like out of time. So you just take your time and look at it and to check it. Now, most of them got a test button. And all you do is just hit the, go down and hit the button. It only takes a little bit of time, but I know you got to think about it. It's kind of like the furnace filter. You know, we don't think about it until we know there's a problem. And replace the batteries twice a year. Now, I will tell you what I was told by the local fire district in my area. So when we was getting one of our rental homes up and we have had to get a carbon monoxide tester, he was telling me about they're, they are, a lot of them are not, they're not just really designed to last very long, surprisingly enough. And he was saying that, and I'm not going to get into brands because uh, that's, a, that's another show another day, but he was saying how they actually, they, they don't have a, they have a very short life expectancy. And even though you hit the button to turn it on, to operate it, to make it work and it buzzes, that doesn't mean that it's actually working. So I highly recommend that you replace these regularly. What does regularly mean? Well, uh, you can, uh, at least every couple of two or three years, I think you should replace it. Personally, you know, uh, I think that you should replace them every year myself. And they, they, they're, they're simple enough to install or, and to, to it's, but they do cost a little bit of money. But there again, how much is that, you know, to make sure that you're safe? Uh, that's great to, you know, that's a, that's good information. And also, we're, well, we'll talk about that here. So we want to be a little bit here, but what are the benefits of using a carbon monoxide detector? Well, saving lives, right? And they're simple to install. We'll talk about that a little bit. And, uh, and you know, they, they just, it wouldn't be a code for safety issues if it wasn't that important. So just think about that. Well, so, so we're going to talk about some of the types, usage, some of the benefits, and some of more of the drawbacks of it. But see, this is a great picture here, and it talks about where we should actually be putting our carbon monoxide detectors at. You know, and, and, uh, I, and I didn't even think about gas-fired dryers, closed dryers, but we have glass-fired closed dryers. I don't see a lot of them, but, you know, don't take but one to kill you. So that's something to think about. You got to make sure that you get, and these are great, this is great information on knowing where to, where you might want to be thinking that you want to put it at. So, and some of the types of different types of carbon monoxide detectors. We got the plug-in. Now, this is quite common, the plug-in. Now, the, I think the carbon monoxide detector should be up high. You put it up about where my recommendation is that you put it where the shortest person of the house breathes his air. So if you've got a child, the child's a toddler. He's only three or four feet tall. You know, or you've got pets. You know, uh, you want to make sure you keep it at that level right there. 
if you're all adults and everything and you then uh, you make sure you can put it up a little bit taller uh, but you want to where you're breathing see carbon monoxide actually comes as, as it, it's a light gas and it floats up and it can it cut and it causes it, it can if inhaled in high concentrations it could be it could be it, it can be very deadly but if you are at you know, if you know about where your breathing zone is, and, and this is what I rec I not only recommend it, but this is what I read that you need to do. We got the plug-in one, and we got the carbon, or we got a battery-operated one. The battery-operated ones are the ones I like because I think they sit up a lot taller in the air, uh, but also they can be uh, on your ceiling, on your walls, and they can... If you can buy or you're installing or if you have the opportunity, your house has been wired already for smoke alarms. Remember, we on the other part of our presentation here on our show, we talked about that uh, being pre-wired or hardwired into the house. Battery backup. That actually, if you can get a combination of one smoke alarm system for the whole thing, carbon monoxide detector, heat detector, if you could get it all like that, that's really your best bet. Uh, but not everybody has that opportunity. A lot of our older homes are not wired for that, so that's why we have the plug-in. Some of the uh, some of the drawbacks to the carbon monoxide detector. Let's get into that a little bit too here, because let's see. Here's a good picture. Here's a good picture of carbon monoxide. You know, of a battery-operated one. You all see in it. It's actually even is written on it that is carbon monoxide detector. Uh, so, you know, you know, that it, so you know what it is. So when your building inspector comes through and he's looking, he should be looking, but some for that, but honestly, folks, uh, and I do home inspections still, uh, or at least my company does. And sometimes it's kind of older. It's kind of, the detector's older. It's kind of hard to see, uh, that what it is. So it's better to have two than think you have one and you don't have it, um, so we want to make sure that that's you, that you get you get in the correct one for the right spot. So what are some of the maintenance issues that I have that I have to take care of? Well, some of the maintenance issues are because everything's got maintenance and everything needs to be taken care of uh, at least on some sort of a time value. And you know, and every year during our uh, change of the uh, daylight savings time to standard time. You know, with the fire departments and everybody makes a big push for having our smoke alarms. Well, I think you also also be thinking about your carbon monoxide detectors. But you want to, like I say, we already talked about, uh, you know, checking it regularly. Uh, make sure that you replace the batteries, you know, simple, simple enough. And, um, you know, at least change the batteries once a year. And try to get good batteries, you know, not try to go get, if you get the cheaper batteries, because that's all you can afford, like at the Dollar General or something, that's fine. It's better to, uh, than just change it out twice because then batteries might not have the same long, might have a short shelf life and who knows how long they've been sitting there and your life is just not worth over a few pennies of a, for a battery. Also, what I found was interesting, make sure you clean the dust off your alarms. Dust and debris can build up in your sensors and can also cause troubles. Now, I kind of wondered whenever the fire department told me the life expectancy of some of these, if that wasn't part of the problem. But if you live in a dusty area, make sure you keep this clean uh, and uh, wipe down and just follow the manufacturer's recommendation. If you threw away the box or the wrapper, just make sure that you just take a picture of it. You can Google it uh, or DuckDuckGo or whatever them, whatever them search engines are called and you can go check it out. And But it is important to understand your equipment. 
Uh, some of the drawbacks are they, you know, they can't have, you know, like we talked about earlier, is that they have a limited lifespan. Now, this is what that my paperwork said, five to seven years. Well, so I'm just telling you what I have read, but I'm telling you also my experience. So my experience says I have a couple, two or three years, uh, but they say five to seven years. I don't know. You be the judge of where you're at with that. Um, so, but that's very important to make sure that you get it taken care of. And, uh, you know, just that's about really all we highly have on the carbon monoxide detectors. Other than I cannot tell you how important that they are. You know, this is what happens when we're like, in a, you know, in a, if we have a problem inside our garage, you know, and this is why our garages are more fireproofed. You know, so this smoke and stuff and this uh, gas and stuff can't get inside of there. Or you, that's why you don't leave your car engines run with the car, gar, garage door shut. But anyway, remember this. Make sure safety first. Make sure you have one in your home. Make sure you have them everywhere you can. Uh, like we talked about, every place, as I said earlier, every 15 to 15 feet away from any combustible uh, appliances. And we talked about that with our, well, we just show you right here. You know, one more time, because I think it's just that important. Uh, and all these type of areas right here. Yeah, these are absolutely a place that needs to be tended to. All right. So water leak detectors. I never really thought much about a water leak detector in my time. Uh, I never heard of anybody ever having such a problem. But in new technology and, and, and ways that people are living, things have changed. And... I, I, let me just give you a couple of stories. One story is that I knew a fella uh, that, well, actually a couple, young couple, and they left the fire, they left their garden hose on, right, during the wintertime to the faucet. We, everybody, they just forgot. Who hasn't forgotten to take the water hose off the, the faucet, to spick it outside? Well, they're frost-free. A lot of these are frost-free, and they don't have uh, no leaks or nothing on them at the time. But when you turn your faucet on come spring and that water will literally flood your basement. That's what happened to them. And their basement flooded. They didn't even know that their basement was filling up full of water. They had no idea uh, because they had left that, that garden hose on it. That was one of the problems. Oh, they was out of town or something. They would have been, they would have been disastrous. But here is a disastrous story. This young, and you, I got a whole bunch of YouTube videos on this particular job, and I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, Jason knows who it is, because <laughs> it was his house, and uh, his contractor, Matt, which I won't visit his last name, he's the guilty party. So what he did, he was working on this young man's house, and uh, it was wintertime, and he took off some siding off around the bay. And this was in the lower unit down in the basement area. It has a walkout basement. And what happened was is that what, uh, he had uncovered some of the bay and he just stuck some insulation in it. Perfect. That's great. That sounds good. But when he stuck the insulation in it, we had a big, big storm come through when, and it just literally sucked that insulation right out of that cross, uh, the cavities that he stuck. Now, I got this cold front from the storm coming through and literally it froze his water pipes up. Now, with this new some of our new water leak technologies, detectors, he had his set up on his computer or his alarm system, and it alerted him. He was literally out of the state 
I don't know. He might have even been out of the country. I mean, that's how cool these things are. And it went, it went off. Now, it flooded his basement. It flooded his basement so bad that I literally got pictures of the water coming out the windows uh, that bad because it wasn't that he didn't get the alarm quick enough because he did get the alarm quick enough, but he was trying to get somebody over there to take care of it immediately. So nobody ever thought about that being a problem where we had to be more proactive or jump right onto it. But, but what would have happened if it would have continued to fill up? Well, I don't want to think about that, but you know your basement down there luckily has a walkout, so it flooded out the windows and the doors. But if you don't have a walkout, you know that their basement you have could literally be a big well and just fill up full of water and destroy everything you have inside your house. Oh, uh, these people here, they look like they're having a good time, aren't they? <laughs> but this one here is from a water leak detector. Now, that's another one here. Now, this is just the picture. But, you know, a lot of times what we have is uh, we'll have a two-story house. And in the bathroom up above, we might get some cold air or something. And we see this a lot because when we're building brand new custom homes or, or a new design, we're trying to flush out some of the problem areas that might not got caught during the design process. I've, I've, I've witnessed this myself. And where uh, then it freezes. Well, then it's just a little spring leak. Well, your water detector is picking this up where it's just a little bit of a leak. But if you don't have that detector, next thing you know, that little leak is a big leak. And this is what you got right here, right? And uh, this is a mess uh, and this, you know, that, you, that you have. So make sure that, you know, those are great reasons why you should have it. Now, these are just personal experiences from personal stories that I have witnessed. Uh, but in simple terms, let's go on down here to hit another picture here for you folks. So, so we got different types of light detectors here. I didn't get that one there, but uh, make it just simple. We want to make sure that these detectors are installed. And like I said, I never thought of the importance of it until I've actually had to witness of the disaster of what happened. Now, if you're one of these water restoration companies, I think this is money in the bank, but who wants that? So today we got different types of leak detectors. And that's kind of where we're at right here. Is that they're not really any, you know, you got your, you got your one that's like I talked about, you know, on your computer or your, your technical system here. So if it's an alarm system, it can let you know. Or if your detector is hooked right to your computer or to your phone, you could get a phone alert. That's how that young man who was out of the country or out of the city, out of state. That's how he got it. He got it right there on his phone or on big industrial complexes as such, which he, they have a water leak. That's even worse. There's other types of systems that you could do, but uh, you can use. But, you know, why use the leak detector? Well, we kind of went into some of that already, but why we want to do it. But, uh, but some of the different detectors that we have out there, we have a passive detectors and they're simply devices that are battery powered. So they're really economical. So there really isn't any reason, but they might not necessarily tell you that your home is leaking except while you're in the house. You know, like if you're there and it's freezing up above there uh, in the second floor, instead of waiting until you got a problem, active detectors, and they're using a, they're actually using a combination of sensors and automatic shut off valves, literally to shut it off, to detect the leaks and then shut off the main water line. So it just shuts the whole water off through the whole house. Now, if you have that system, that's a little bit more expensive, but wow, 
if you're traveling, you're out of state, you got, you know, or you, you move, you, you never know. I got one other story about a leak detector. So we had a brand new home we was building. This is one of my homes that we was building. Uh, that when, as, cause you know, where most of you folks that know us, we know we're a building company. And so every Friday, your labor is to go through and turn off every water supply in every building or every home that you're building. And uh, so my labor, he just forgot. God bless him. He was a great guy, done a great job. He was just busy. It's Friday night. Apparently he was running late. And this, and, and, and he thought it was all fine because literally the plumbers, when they put brand new, what they do is before they, they'll put pressure test before they actually turn everything and they put air onto it and they pressure test the system. So he thought it was fine. You know, it'd been pressure tested, brand new home. And uh, all of us thought it was fine. I came back on Monday morning and I went into this house and it was soaking wet all weekend long. That water had been running all weekend long. From now, since then, every house that I build, we automatically put AC detectors into it because this cost us a tremendous amount of money. Our hardwood floor was totally destroyed. The subfloor was destroyed. The, the con moisture content through the house. And uh, when you're doing these homes for people, they have a, a dead, a drop dead date or a date that they're supposed to be moving in, a closing date. And that really rocked us trying to get this house back up online and get it ready to close. So that's a great reason. I mean, brand new construction. So, I mean, that happens. Uh, and then you also have your flow-based detectors. And uh, these are basically actually uh, detect the measure of the water flow that's going through your pipes at any particular time. And if there's an unexpected increase in the flow or vice versa, it literally tells you that you have a, uh, you know, a potential leak that you want to be looking at. And uh, make sure you do this. Put it in early. Make sure you take care of it. It's going to really, folks, this could save you some great heartache. And it's something that honestly, honestly, I don't think a lot of us even think about. And what, but when I built that house and I was telling you about that brand new, at that time, we didn't have these, these detectors to the, to the quality that we have today and the lowest, lower price that we have today. We have a price today that there's really no reason, at least you can't get a simple system installed. Um, and, uh, but here, now here's an, but if you don't have the most expensive system or one of the higher quality systems, here's a great, great tip. A great tip to use. Go down, go to your water supply, your main water line. And if you're going to be on vacation, just turn it off. Just turn it off. And that means just turn the valve, your gate valve, and just turn the water supply off so you don't have that water going through. At least then you know that while you're on vacation or something, you don't have a problem with it. Um, but just like my laborer forgot, you might forget to do it. So you might think about the detector. Great idea. And it'll, you know, give you a peace of mind, protect your belongings. Heck, a lot of us with basements, we store our stuff there. Or, excuse me, or we have attics. We have stuff up in our attics where we have an attic leak or something up in there. That'll pick it up. Um, you think that water leaks or this and not. Now, let's not, I want to conclude with this. We don't want to confuse a water detector leak for something that is a leak from a roof leak or something like that. They're not going to pick up your roof leaks. It's a water pressure. It's your water lines in your home leaks, not for a poor roofing job or maybe a storm blew off some shingles or something. 
No, let's make sure we get that. Make sure, I want to make sure that I fully explain that because it is that important. And I think a lot of us heard about this, but maybe I think we're kind of some of the things are confusing. Radon gas and uh, alarms. Uh, now, I did a show. Oh, actually, I did this show with my producer here at a radio station we was working at. Uh, oh, several years ago, oh, about four or five years ago, about the house. You can get it out there. You can share uh, Suma. Not, she is really, really sharp. So she had a great radio show. I think that you'd really, you'll get even more information than what I'm going to give you here because she talks about the gas period. I'm only going to briefly talk about the alarm systems and what to be looking for with that. Uh, but radon gas, it's a, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's not necessarily a new, it's not a new thing at all, radiation and uh, ga- coming up from the ground, but it's something more that we're learning more and more about uh, with it. So radiation, basically what it is, is it comes up out of the ground and into the house. And what we ha- what's the problem with that is, is, uh, you know, it could, well, we all know what radiation does, radioactive material. It's a common phenomena that happens in throughout the country and uh, throughout the North American continent, probably throughout the world. I only know my world, uh, so I'm not going to speak for everybody, but it's actually it's a earthly made product also uh, besides man-made product like we talked about with our smoke alarms earlier. Now, radiation. I, I, I don't sell radiation systems. I've installed them, I recommend them, but I don't necessarily, you know, push it. Uh, radiation, so, so when you get a radon test and, uh, we, and what happens is, is that if, say, if it's been dry for a long time, my radiation levels will be lower than what it would be as if it rains for a lot. So during the springtime, when we get heavier rains, your radiation levels will be higher than normal than if it's been during a drought of the heat of the summer. Uh, so that's why detectors are necessary because just because you get it tested for radon during the time of your buying of the home uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't change. And even though it may not have any or very, everywhere it's got a little radiation coming up, but even though you might not get a lot, even during the rainy season, it changes. So uh, in different parts, so maybe in this part of town, we're getting more now, but then later it might not have as much and vice versa. Now, where we're we're doing this uh, videoing that we're doing our show out of today is St. Louis, Missouri. Now, St. Louis is in the state of, of Missouri, naturally, which is the cave state. We have a lot of caves up and through here. That's why we have these great breweries that we used to have, and we still got one last brewery here because of the uh, cooling. And so that's why they migrated here. But that's another show, another time, a lot more fun to talk about <laughs> than radiation. But uh, nevertheless, them caves are a very bad spot. And then where we have the most caves, what I'm picking up and what I'm seeing is where I have the most cave activity is where I'm getting the highest levels of radiation uh, than uh, other areas of our, res- of our area, community, uh, of our region. So that's just if you, but you might not know you got a cave up underneath your house. You know, you actually you just might you probably very well don't know. So it's good to have these systems put into place. So some of the that's some of the ideas and thinking of it. Well, radiation. Well, let's, let's finish a little bit with this here. So radiation, radiation helps 
because we all know that people get you know radiation treatment for cancer, but also you get radiation uh, from your cell phone. You got a low battery on your cell phone. It's been I've been told uh, I've never done a lot of research on it. I try to keep my batteries charged, but if you got a low battery, your phone puts out more radiation. Your color TV does. I remember when color TVs first came out. Shows how old I am. Uh, that they used to say you had to stand back for your TV set, you know, a few feet, and I forgot how many feet. Uh, that you had to, so you wouldn't get the radiation off the color TV. Now our TVs are so big that I don't think you have to get too close to them like you used to, but when we had them little color TVs, that was a problem. Radiation ovens, well, nobody wanted to buy radiation ovens, so we just uh, changed the name to microwave oven, and uh, people buy them, and we all love them, but they definitely are, you know, they're radiation ovens. That's another show for another day, and we will talk more about that, and I really do want to get into that uh, but not today. But, you know, so you're getting, you're putting radiation to your food. So you are, you know, don't be just automatically run and get scared and think radiation is all horrible. But that's why we want the alarm system. So as that we can have an opportunity to know when we're starting to reach dangerous levels. Make sure that we're not having any kind of problems. You know, you don't want, we don't want to wait till the very end. Oh, here we go here. So understanding the gas and how radon gas, this is a great chart. I kind of borrowed this from somebody else. So, uh, but how radiation actually enters the house. And so it comes up out of the ground. And this is some of the areas I want to share with you. Uh, it's coming up through the subfloor. It's coming up through our, so if you got your, your water lines are coming into your house, you got different water lines protruding. It's under the ground. And that's another area that's seeping into sump pumps, uh, sump pits. I should say some pumps sit in the pit. That's right in, like right in here. That's another place that drain that radiation's coming up out of. Um, you got your soil lines, your stack, your, so your sewer pipes, your stack pipes leaving, exiting the house. That's another place. And then, of course, natural occurrence is just coming up and out of the ground, and uh, you know, fractured rock or bedrock. So these are it's coming up everywhere. Then what? You this is a great picture. That's why I use this picture because I loved how it talked about. And you literally are getting it coming. So what it does is entering up and it's going into your register vents, into your furnaces. Your furnace then sends out and displaces it all through the house. You know when you turn your furnace on, uh, coming into your water. So when you turn your water on, it's sucking it right in through there, through your faucets. So it it is something that's very much to be paying attention to. I, did, I tried to not put the fear into you at the beginning, and now I'm going to say a little bit about more about that because it is that important. And like I said, if you'd like, you would like to learn more about it, contact us and, uh, or hit reply. Uh, ask a question either through our website or through, uh, you know, the, when you read it, watching this, when you hit like, subscribe, hit like, uh, reply. And then ask whatever questions. And, hey, if, you know, if you've had experiences with anybody that's ever been harmed with radiation, Please share your experiences in the comment section below section two, because it is that important that we are fully understanding what it is. Now, what is radon gas? Well, it's a it's kind of like carbon monoxide. So isn't that amazing? All this stuff we don't even know floating around and it's right there living with us. But it's a colorless, it's odorless, it's tasteless. And uh, actually what they what they claim say that it's a breakdown of uranium in our soil and our rock and in our water. And when the radon's released into the ground, uh, it, it goes up into the outdoor air. It does gets diluted, and that's why it don't hurt us when we're outside, because we have all the other fresh air. Uh, and you know, this is one of the main we when we're doing a home and building inspection, we're not so much in commercial. 
buildings. Sometimes we do, you know, depending on if it's a, a apartments or if it's a you know motels or something. But uh, but if you're not enclosed in it all the time. But number one of the number one things we have is we got sewer lateral inspections, but we also do radon inspections. And so you know they they do cost a little extra, but as long as you're aware that you do need to get to test, you do need to know where you're sitting, whether you got to get a system or not for you know for cleaning it or remediation. Uh, but and you just now you know just because I got a low number here doesn't mean that you shouldn't have an alarm system for it because maybe you caught it at a time of the year that you're not having the same amount of problem. But as like Sherry was talking about, you, we're having over 21,000, maybe more than that now, 21,000 deaths from lung cancer every year from radiation. Now, I, you, you do your own research and, and, and document these numbers because I didn't, do, I didn't go deeper into it. And we'll do that on other shows because that's what the advocacy, construction consumer advocacy is about for education, but it's understand to fully understand where it's coming from, how it's coming through. We talked about how it comes in through the cracks and crevices uh, of the basement, and it is coming up out of the ground. And there's, uh, and there's several different systems out there for checking it, but uh, you know, you've gotta make sure for long-term health protection that you do take care of this. And all of these alarms that we've talked about, talk about that, but let's talk about here, this is a ton of the two different types. Now, this is not an alarm system. This is just the radon systems. You might have one of these in your house. And this one is a this is a active system. And see what this is right here. This is actually a blower motor. And we'll, we'll start over here. Let's move over to the right. So this is a passive system because actually the active system is, is a combination. So they put just, this is how we used to build, this is how we used to do them for years before we actually had this uh, pass, uh, this active system. And you just take a PVC pipe, you stick it down into the ground and uh, to a little suction pit. And what you're doing is uh, you put it down to below your foundation. I like to see it below the footing. You put it right through the basement floor, go down below your footing, uh, which is approximately two, you know, a foot, two foot, three foot, depending on what part of the country you're in. And, and just then what happens is, is just it, it, the radiation will come in. But what's drawing that is it's the chimney effect. And so it just uh, because it's being drawn up, it's kind of like the straw kind of a thing. And OK, so that's exactly how it works in a passive system. Passive systems are fabulous because there's nothing that could ever break down in them. But if you have super high radiation levels in your home, then I highly recommend you get the active system. And like I said, this what this is. Now, forget this here. This is a 90% high efficiency furnace. That's their new chimney pipes. That has nothing to do with this. It just happens to be in the picture. Uh, so, but anyway, so I have this, and it's this little electric motor. And plugged right in here to a waterproof box. And you could hear it humming out there. And if you don't hear it humming, you go outside. You could put your hand on it. You could feel it, or you could just uh, watch it or hear it physically. But that's, that are the two different systems that we use. And uh, both of them are efficient. We used them both for years. You know, but, they're, but now let's talk about the different types of alarms, right? With the different types of alarms, we have the types that's hooked into the computer again. That you also can get your, uh, it so is that uh, you can also have it connected to your phone. What if you're out of town again and you maybe or you got, you know, or maybe you're doing whatever's happening and you are not, uh, something's happening in your home and you get these higher levels or it just gives you an alert. 
I, I, I think they're just fabulous. But not all of everything is like that. Then you got the wall mount systems. And uh, the wall mount system what can be also turned hooked into your phone, or you can just have it so as that you just walk by and you just periodically, you know, uh, look at it and see what the levels are. Uh, then we have the passive system. And what I got over here, this is the passive system right here that we're talking about. But this is kind of the breakdown of what it actually means and what's inside of it and going on. Now, all this fancy stuff, that's only for the construction nerds out there. You know, uh, but the passive systems work fabulous, too. Uh, and I highly recommend that any of these systems are that you should put something like this in your house. Folks, the tighter we make our houses, the more we have these these kind of indoor air quality problems. And we're going to do a host show on that, on indoor air quality. And we're going to try to do that uh, later into the year. Uh, so it'll be about indoor air quality because the more expensive our fuel gets, the more the less we want to spend on our energy. But the tighter it is, the more health hazards we have for indoor air quality. So that is why it's important that we take care of our radon. That's why we take care of our carbon monoxide. We take care, make sure we don't have any smoke alarms or smoke issues, anything like this. And there's a whole lot more different ones than that. And actually on some of our radio shows here about the house, you can go back and check into that uh, and listen to our shows on that too, where we've had experts come in and talk about it. But that definitely is something that will, um, you do need to learn more about especially if you have children uh, or pets. Now, I'm, I'm kind of past the child. As you could look at my old white beard and such, and I'm kind of past the children's stage. But I still got my little babies. I got my girls, my doggies, and uh, they're down on the ground low. And oh, it would just break my heart to ever have anything happen to them. It would really break my heart if something happened to my animals or my family. If it was because I didn't want to spend an extra $20, $30, or I didn't take the extra time to go check the batteries, or I didn't take the extra time to even listen to this radio show and learn more about it, it would it'd be devastating. And I hope that you folks do take the time to learn more about that. So, And that, that pretty much concludes on our alarm systems. But anyway, that's kind of the end of the show. I put this in here because I thought this was cute, but it just, hey, just kidding. This is really never truly the end of protecting ourselves. And this is a great little saying here. And uh, just making sure knowledge is key and not just for radon, but for all indoor air quality problems. And we want to live as healthy as possible. And we want to give our families the best opportunity we can. And we don't want them to ever be damaged. And with the, today's houses, like I said, they're so we're, we're doing such a fabulous job of making them airtight. We could, we're, we're actually creating more issues, but we're only creating them if we don't understand what we're doing. So anyway, folks, thank you for watching our show. God bless you. Thank you. Hit like and subscribe. And, you know, and it, it, we, I've already offered, because it is my birthday. We're celebrating. I'm 29. How many times now? Oh, my. Too many times. <laughs> but because of this, I want you to be able to get the top 10 questions if you, if you request this for uh, finding out about what to hire when you're hiring a contractor. Uh, and also, we're giving a discount, a big discount on our book, uh, The Essential Contractor Hiring Guide. These, both of these, hey, like on the book here, I'm just a quick pitch. But on the book, honestly, folks, for a few dollars, you could possibly and probably save thousands of dollars 
when you're working with a contractor and uh, how many horror stories you got to hear first. So for a few dollars, learning is the key to success. Thanks, folks, and God bless you all.